Welcome to another episode, episode 89 of Moped Outlaws. And today's guest is Mr. Brandon Liebowitz, and he is the operator of SEO Optimizers, which is an amazing story. But we're actually going to focus more on Brandon the man. and Brandon the man. Been. Yeah. So um, welcome to the show, Brandon. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> Let's start with where you are in the world. Like I'm in the Northern California near San Francisco. Where are you? I am in Venice, California. Oh, wow. Nice. Do you have an issue with the homeless thing going on down there? Yeah. I mean, it's inevitable, but it's part of Venice and it keeps it interesting and lively, but yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what I've heard. Like, I have a f- friend that lives down in that area, and she said it's just over the past eight years has become like a, very, a big challenge for her personally. It's definitely become challenging, but it's gotten a lot better recently. So we'll have to see. Hopefully, it stays like that, but who knows what's going to happen. But it's like yeah. cat and mouth keeps changing. It's good, bad, good, bad, and hopefully, it stays good. How did you come to land in Venice? I had a job over in Santa Monica and didn't want to commute 30 miles, which would take an hour and a half. So moved up here just to avoid that traffic because it gets pretty bad in L.A. So when you say moved up here, were you down in the Orange County area? Uh, I was in San Pedro in the South Bay. Okay. Yeah, my sister lived there for a while. All right. So have you been a California person your whole life? Mm-hmm. Yep, grew up here, lived here my whole life. Wow. It's tough to leave when you got the perfect weather. Yeah. One of the things that I find as a business owner is that it's challenging to not work all the time, really to find time for things like my relationships and leisure and adventure. Do you find that that's the case for you? How much of your work life takes up your time? No, try to have that work-life balance. It's important. So try not to work all the time. If you're working all the time, then it's not good. And I realize over the years, got to delegate and offload those tasks to other people so you can get your time back to focus on growing the business instead of just working on or in the business all day long. It's not the best. So trying to get that work-life balance as much as possible. Do you think that in the startup phase, there's a kind of a commitment that you kind of have to make that goes beyond what we call normal work-life balance? Depends what type of startup it is, but usually startups, they want you to do double, triple everything. So I'm actually referring to your own experience. Like was your experience that, that you had, it required more of you. So I worked full time and then I work on a company before work or after work on my lunch breaks and did that for a while. So it wasn't just jumping into my own company. It was working full time, doing digital marketing for other companies, other advertising agencies. And before work and after work on my lunch break, I would work on it. And over the years, built it up to where I was able to make the same amount that I was making at these advertising agencies. And then I quit my job after I made the same amount for like a year or two to make sure it was stable and didn't want to just jump ship. But 
it was a lot of work initially. Still is a lot of work, but delegating has saved me a lot of time and headaches. Yeah. And do you follow the axiom, hire slow, fire fast? Uh, hiring does take a lot of time and trying to find the right people takes a lot of time. That's probably one of the toughest things is finding good employees, training them, or hopefully not having to train them too much and then let them go and hit the ropes and hopefully they know what they're doing. But hiring is pretty tricky. It's not easy. Yeah. And do you what I mean? Do you know what I mean by fire fast? Yeah. Yeah. Cut people out that are not performing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you don't want someone underperforming that's dragging you down. I'm reading right now a autobiography by the gentleman who started Starbucks. And it's at a pivotal point in around 2008 when he stepped back in as CEO. And one of the passions he keeps bringing up is the passion of Starbucks. In essence, the mission statement of Starbucks. Does your company have a mission statement that is a source of passion? Yeah, we want to help businesses grow and get more visibility online. So that would be the main mission is just trying to help people out or help businesses out, trying to get them found online so they could get to that next level of growth. Do you have it written out as a mission statement or is that just sort of a generalization of the purpose of the company? Uh, generalization. So do you feel that you have a passion for that? I like helping people out. Definitely. It's nice to see and watch people grow and help them get to those next levels that they're looking to get at. So it is rewarding. What would you say was the spark for you that made it worthwhile to spend your lunch times, mornings and evenings as you're working a job to create your own company. I always had that entrepreneurial spirit. So always knew that I wanted to have something on my own one day. And once I found digital marketing, I realized I could work full time and I could go to a local restaurant and be like, Hey, do you want to rank at the top of Google and pick up clients here, there, and it's not competing with my company. And, that's what really drew me into the digital marketing and kept me going with it over the years. So I hear you saying that you were cautious at the beginning to not go into direct competition with someone you're working for. Yeah, I would never want to do that because then there's a conflict of interest and I could probably get fired from my full-time job, which I would not want to do anything to jeopardize that or my reputation is someone that's, helping out five realtors in Los Angeles all rank for the same keywords, that would not be the best moral ethical way because there's only 10 spots on that first page of Google to rank a website. So if I'm telling the five realtors, I'll get you that first page of Google, I'm not going to be able to get them all to that top position because they're all competing against one another. So that would be a conflict of interest and would not be good as a person or just in general as a business. You don't want to hire competing companies and help them out because... Once they find out, they're probably going to be pretty mad that you're helping their competitor out. All right. So I do hear in you that you have a business ethic that is very positive. When you're hiring people, do you look for that same ethic in them? Not really, because I don't know how to really ask about ethics, because I feel like people will just lie. Most people aren't going to tell the truth. So 
the only way to find out, I feel like, is once you hire them to see how they actually behave and talk to them and really get to know them. But beforehand, I feel like it's kind of tough to really get someone's ethics from an interview. But there might be other techniques. I'm not the best at interviewing because I've only been doing it for maybe six years, five years. So. Wow. So have you had a situation where someone was really good at SEO optimization, but their ethics were horrible and you were like, it just isn't working out? No, luckily not. But. Awesome. That's great news. Brandon, at what point did you grow to the level where you had to have an HR executive position in your company? At what level did you add that position? I am doing it myself still. So I have a CPA that helps out with that. But yeah, I do it myself still. Wow. So in terms of company policies and harassment policies and the administration of the annual harassment questionnaire. What did you have to study that you didn't expect to have to study as a, as an SEO specialist about running your own company? Just trying to, well, mentors helped out a lot, trying to figure out how to hire all the paperwork, the forums, and trying to figure out what needs to be done to run the business. But mentors have definitely helped out a lot. So I recommend everyone get a mentor they're going to really help speed things up where you can learn from their mistakes and learn from what's worked for them. And they'll help speed and guide you in the right direction for everything. Otherwise you have to spend a lot of time researching and doing it on your own, which is feasible, but it takes a lot of time and, and costs you a lot of error on the trial and error process, which is definitely an impact. I have another question, which is when someone actually ranks and they finally get to that level, there's this thing about conversion of their clients once they're being seen and, and getting the clients to lock in In what ways do you think conversion is connected to SEO? Well, so SEO gets you traffic. So when you search on Google websites appear on that first page of Google, there's ads at the top. Those are all paid ads right below the ads are the organic listings. So when you click on those, those websites get traffic, but that's what SEO does. It's, it gets you traffic if you want which I've done over the years. And then I've realized over the years that business owners, when I'm working with them, don't really care about traffic. Traffic is important, but traffic doesn't really mean anything. They need sales, leads, phone calls, whatever that conversion goal is. So traffic is just half the battle for SEO, but in digital overall, you want to make sure that traffic converts. And that's just in general for if you're running paid ads, social media, email marketing, whatever you're doing, need to make sure that traffic converts and that's where your website needs to be optimized for conversions because a lot of people build websites to make them look pretty, but they don't build it to maximize conversions, which feels kind of counterintuitive. Having a nice website is good, but it doesn't do anything. Having a website that's optimized for conversions and leads, that's going to get you what you want, which is those sales, those phone calls. Yeah. Have you spent a lot of time, um, trying to create your lifestyle outside your business and how are you doing on some of those personal goals in life? I just try to live life as normal, not trying to switch it up from my business, but just try to live it as normal, trying to get that work-life balance and go out with friends, family, travel, go to concerts, go down to the beach, go snowboarding, go hiking and just try to get disconnected from that computer as much as possible. And everything is good so far. Can't complain. So I went and saw Santana in Vegas last weekend. What was the last concert you went and saw? Mm. 
going to one in a few weeks in San Diego. The last one I went to is probably a couple months ago, maybe around New Year's. Mm, yeah, trying to think, probably around New Year's, but wasn't anyone big. I don't know who they were, but just a smaller little band that I saw. And you went for your community then to be with your friends and to hang out and have that uh, that uh, that experience with your friends. Is that what drew you there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just getting out, doing something different, being around people, not being stuck on the computer, but definitely nice community. So I'm going to ask another more intimate question. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Beer, wine, or spirits? Mm, probably beer, maybe. IPA? Mm, probably blonde ale. Blonde ale. Mm, yeah. Belgian? <laughs> I don't know what the difference is. Just blonde yeah. ale. Okay. Got it. <laughs> Thank you. It's a lot of, not a lot of priority on drinking. It's uh, more the social hanging out. Yeah, yeah. I'll take the beer. It doesn't All hurt. Right. All right. Do you have any um, interest in the upcoming Super Bowl? Mm, not really. I like, yeah, I don't really pay attention to sports too much. I'll watch it, but. But you like to do it, like snowboarding. You mentioned that and hiking. Like skateboarding, you, more action sports. Oh, skateboarding. Oh, that's something Greg and I have in common with you. Uh, we were a lot younger when we did it, but because we're, we're both 60. So um, are you, do you like parks, pools, or, or like what's your favorite kind of skateboarding scenario? Any concrete. Doesn't matter. I'll Any concrete. That's yeah. right. Can you do the ollies and all that kind of chaos? Flip kicks? Mm-hmm. Yeah, jump really? down. Yeah, Brandon. Brandon. Pools and yeah, yeah. That's so funny because if you don't mind, like my initial thought is like, wow, Brandon seems on the very straight and narrow. I never would have thrown skateboarding in there. <laughs> no, skateboarding is my favorite. Don't do it as much as I used to, but love skateboarding. Yeah. That's rad. Damn. Well, now I'm at a loss. <laughs> well, you know, I, I started skateboarding in, in the 70s. That's how old I am. So at the dawn of urethane wheels, when bonsai boards and road rider fours and tracker trucks were first coming out, that's when I started to skateboard. And so that's kind of the legend. Have you ever seen um, the, uh, the film Dogtown, which is about those original OG skaters? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they filmed a lot of it in San Pedro and Venice, where both places where I live. And have you seen the film? <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you you have enough of an interest that you would spend time watching a skateboard film. Cool. <laughs> oh, that's only yeah. If it's a skateboarding competition versus a Super Bowl, I'd watch the skateboarding competition. Right on. Well, what kind of gear do you own currently? What kind of gear do you have skate skateboard wise? I have too much because I create a. I've helped people out over the years with their marketing, and I was like, I gotta follow my passion and create a skateboarding page on Instagram a couple of years ago, and it. Kind of took off, got a couple hundred thousand followers because they used wow. to work at the barracks, helping them out with their social media. And they wouldn't really listen to anything that I recommended. And so I was like, let me create my own page and create my own. And it just took off. And now people just mail me way too much stuff. So I got 
piles of skateboards that people just send me all the time to take pictures of and showcase it on my page. And now I'm trying to make the bearings that go in the wheels to help them spin. So trying to manufacture those and try to monetize that page. And hopefully we'll get that going and see what happens with that. That's freaky. Awesome. That's crazy. So damn. So given, let's say you're at a fork in the road, it seems like you would go where the skateboards, the real passion, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, hands down. But, yeah. yeah, damn. All right. Well, that seems like there's a strong potential for that. Hopefully, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, it takes off. Yeah. So what? What's your exit strategy? Like most people, there's a layer of, well, if it's failing, I'm going to do this. But most people don't manage to make an exit strategy that's based on success. What's your upper moment of exit? Like, is it 10 mil, 20 mil? Where's your, what's your number? Probably none. I'd probably just pass it down to family members if they want the company, but I'd probably just keep it forever. Okay. Until I got that offer, then maybe it'd be different, but for now. Okay. But if you had annual, you know, profits up above 10 million, would you consider semi-retirement or is it important to you to continue to work as a way of living? I'm not sure. I'd have to retire to see what happens after I retire. If I get stir crazy, which probably happens to everyone, but everyone wants to retire. Then once they do, they probably regret it. So, well, most entrepreneurs I know, they end up starting other companies. They have mm-hmm. a, they have an entrepreneurial habit, if you will. There's something about that that really fuels them. Do you, would you say that that's part of your makeup that you would probably open up a new company if you had you know a level of success that uh, that allowed you to do that? Well, I wouldn't work at a nine to five, so I would never do that again. So if yeah. I did have anything, I would yeah definitely have to start something new from scratch or keep going with the skateboard company, but. I don't think I could ever go back to nine to five. So when you say a skateboard company, you're working on the ball bearings, right? Mm-hmm. Is that you're manufacturing them? Like you're working? No, they're all manufactured, unfortunately, in China. There's only one manufacturer in the United States, and they won't let me put my own company logo on it, which they want me to sell it as their company logo, which is not really what I wanted. So try to find manufacturers, but you can't find any. Unfortunately, they're all just kind of standardized from China, unfortunately. So found some good ones out there. Try to find some ones that were different and not just the standard basic ones, which took a long time, but found some good ones. And then finding the packaging, the design, that was really tough too. So what's the brand? It's called Straupen. Straupen? Straupen, S-H-R-A-L-P-I-N. Okay. Did you go to China to research the manufacturer you wanted to work with? No, I just had them send everything out, which that's why it took so long is because I kept getting samples from all the different factories. And what, what do you think are the, the things that really make a great skateboard bearing set? Like what are, what are the obvious things? And then what are the not so obvious things that you look for in selecting the product that you wanted to have be your brand? I mean, they're almost all the same unless you go for like ceramic and Swiss and all those other like higher ones. But other than that, ABEX are all just a lie. It's all the same thing for the most part. The ABEX ratings don't mean anything. And the only ones that are better are like Swiss or ceramic. Those are going to be a little bit more high performing, but those are more expensive 
versus just the regular ball bearings. They're all pretty much the same. It's just trying to feel them out, seeing which ones roll smoother, last longer, or are able to take bigger impacts. But other than that, they're all pretty much standardized, which is kind of weird that the skateboard industry made these ABEC ratings and then they try to sell them for different prices depending on what ABEC level it is when those really aren't the main ratings that you should be looking at. Yeah. So what was the criteria you used to make your decision when you picked your manufacturer? Uh, strength, speed, sound, the quality of the product, how long they last, how much of an impact they could take. Can they ride through dirt, sand, water? Do they break immediately or do they last for a little bit before breaking down when they hit all those elements that are going to naturally break them down and just trying to test all that out speed. So who did you use to do your testing with? Did you do it or was it you and your buddies or how did that work? No, me and friends. Yeah. The more, the better. I can only test so many. So got to have other people trying them out. Awesome. That's very cool. Yeah, and was it fun that. to develop the artwork for the brand? Because uh, skate skate artwork tends to be a little bit more um, open ended and have a little bit more flair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was definitely fun. I like that side of the kind the artistic side and creative side. Did you yourself do the artwork? A little bit, and had friends do it, and yeah, so had friends help out. I did some, and we all just kind of collaborated. That's rad. That's <clears> super <throat> cool. What would you want to be the next innovation in skateboarding? What doesn't exist in the market that you wish you could have? I feel like skateboards are perfect as is, but I don't know. I'm not too sure what else could be added to it other than stuff from the eighties, like slick or the little bars that help you slide more. But I feel like you don't need those really anymore. The rails and things like that, but feel like that's not really needed. I feel like skateboards are good, but I'm sure someone that's an engineer can figure out a way to make it better. So there's nothing that you long for that's not on the market. No, I'm content. Yeah. <sighs> Damn. Well, I'm curious about how you found your relationship. Like I'm getting the sense that you have a personal relationship with a partner. Is that true? Not at the moment. Broke Not at the me. moment. So you're single. Yeah. And, um, what's it like? Do you find that being the owner of a company is helpful in terms of dating and, and finding people to hang out with? Maybe if you're looking for the wrong people. So <laughs> I have to put that out there, except for the time. So, I have a pretty flexible schedule, so it'd be nice to have someone that has a flexible schedule. But other than that, I don't want to be like flaunting, hey, I have my own company, because that seems a little superficial and you're going to attract the wrong people, especially in LA. You're definitely going to bring the wrong people to your crowd. Okay, so there's a gold digger factor you're trying to avoid. And just don't want to sound stuck up or. Right. But you're proud of what you've achieved, right? Yeah, but I'm modest. I'm not going to tell people I have my own company. Got it. So unless they're a potential client. Unless maybe, hey, they need help with marketing. Then I'll be like, hey, I offer these services. I could get you ranked on Google. I get you free traffic. Here's what I could do. But if it's just someone that's a normal person that's working at a normal job, I'm not going to pitch it to them. But if it's like a dentist that I'm talking to or a lawyer or a restaurant owner, someone like that, then I'd be like, hey, by the way, can't help out. I'm not trying to pitch myself, but... This is what I do for myself and for my clients is get them that free traffic from Google. 
What are some merits of an individual that are important to you in a romantic relationship, both that you would have and the partner would have? Someone that's fun, nice, caring, adventurous, likes to try new things and go out and explore the world and not be tied down in that nine to five. Well, most people are tied down in a nine to five, right? But are you saying that it's there? So I got to get them out of there and get them their own little side hustle and anyone could do it. You don't have to work full time. Anyone could just get their own website and put the right marketing or social media. It's pretty easy, not easy, easier nowadays, less barrier of entry that anyone could start anything without having a high cost or having to buy inventory. Nowadays you can do drop shipping, affiliate marketing. So the ways are endless is just following your passion and figure out what your passion is and how to tap into that and how to get them to, make their passion into actual income, which nowadays is not that hard. If you think about it and try it and are not scared to fail and ready to take that failure and learn from it and grow and build again and again and again, and keep continuously testing until you find that sweet spot of something that works that resonates with people and that people actually like and want to use. So do you have a story of an early failure and you're venturing off onto your own? I made a skateboarding company in high school and was selling like clothes, shirts, sweatshirts, and then had it in a bunch of like local skate shops and had it pretty big around my city. And then once I went to college, I kind of stopped focusing on it and focused on school and kind of regret that where I should have done both. Shouldn't have just let the company go. Should have focused on school and the company because the company was pretty well known and it was growing, but just kind of let it go and said, Hey, I'm going to focus on school instead, which looking back, probably not the best decision. Where'd you go to school? Cal state long beach. Okay. And did you go for a business degree? Got my business marketing degree. Yeah. What do you think is the most common misconception people have that causes them not to be successful in the new digital marketplace? Well, they just think that they'll go viral and they don't realize everything takes time and that you got to build it up and build it up and build it up. And eventually you'll see yourself gain that traction, but everything does take time. So got to be patient with it and just understand that you're not going to, some people go viral and some people just instantly get that traction, but most businesses take time and just not to get discouraged and to keep working at it and building it up. And over time they'll see themselves slowly moving up. But if they're just expecting those immediate results, they're going to get discouraged. Uh, so we're, we're on this topic. This, so whatever. Um, there's so much out there where they're saying like, we'll increase your social media account to 10,000 followers. We'll get you. There's a lot of people offering these quick fixes to audience. And what are, <clears throat> I guess what I, that I, you answered the question already. You're saying that is a mistake. If you think you can do that and just in three weeks, that's not going to be a realistic audience for your, whatever it is you're putting out there. I mean, there's ways to game the system, but it's all about quality, not quantity. So like there's ways to get you 10,000 real followers. Most of the time when you're buying like 10,000 followers, on social media, these sites are just going to make fake accounts where they have 10,000 email accounts. 
they create 10,000 Instagram accounts. They put profile pictures, they put bios, and then they have all 10,000 accounts follow you over time. Instagram or whatever platform is going to catch them and then start deleting those accounts. So you see your numbers start dropping, but there's also ways to do it with real followers where you could do like, I don't know, all these celebrities every once in a while, they'll post an ad on their page for like 30 minutes saying, follow these 10 people. And then they'll charge those 10 people like five to $10,000 and they'll get posted on like Kim Kardashian or like all these like big celebrities that have tens, hundreds of millions of followers. And they'll get a bunch of followers, but those followers are just following celebrity accounts. So if your account is selling like tennis shoes, those followers are probably not going to care about you unless your page is about celebrities and news and gossip, then maybe they would want to follow you, but it's all about targeting and making sure you attract the right audience because followers don't do anything just like traffic to your website. It's not going to do anything unless it's targeted and optimized to convert and capture that traffic into leads, phone calls, sales, whatever that may be. Uh, knowing at any point you could just say I'm not answering that question here's one of those potential questions what do you currently have in your life that's a challenge that you want to grow through learn from you know down the road the challenges behind you probably figuring out Google because Google changes every single day and it makes my life pretty tricky and frustrating sometimes when Google changes their algorithm and they don't let you know. So just, but that one's never going to be solved because Google changes every single day and are never going to stop changing. But that so one's that a, business problem that is tricky. Is that a real statement? Google changes every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. There's some folks in this space that are prognosticating that the chat GPT AI is going to supplant the Google uh, algorithm. What what are your thoughts on that question? You can't really search on chat GPT. So if you're looking for like a restaurant, chat GPT is not going to give you a restaurant or a lawyer, or doctor, or dentist, or a roofer. So chat GPT just answers questions, which a lot of people search for questions on Google, but that's not all people search for. So it might take away some traffic, but Google's making their own chat GPT version, AI kind of thing. So I'm sure Google's going to just try to compete, knock them out, maybe possibly who knows, but we'll see what happens when they make theirs. Didn't Bing just launch an AI aspect to their search engine this week? <laughs> Bing is Microsoft, and Microsoft owns OpenAI, which is ChatGPT. Okay, so wasn't the two implemented? Like, I heard something on the news, I didn't listen to the whole thing closely, that this week Microsoft was rolling out an AI aspect to Bing. Probably, because ChatGPT is part of Microsoft. And so I didn't know that. Microsoft, okay. right. so right. I would think they probably would do it, but how many people use Bing? When I look at analytics over the years, looking at thousands of websites, probably Google brings 20 to 60% of the traffic. Bing will bring 1%. Yahoo will bring 1%. DuckDuckGo might bring half a percent. Brave might bring half a percent. And the rest comes from social media, email marketing, paid ads, people just typing your website indirectly. But I've never seen a search engine bring in more traffic than Google. And I've never seen a search engine bring in other than Google, bring in like more than like two, 3% of your traffic. So it doesn't bring that much traffic unless you're a big corporation. Then I'd worry about like I work with corporate clients and they're getting 10,000 visitors a day. Then 
1% of 10,000 a day is not bad. It's a pretty good amount of people versus if you're a small, medium-sized business and you're getting 100 people to your day, website to your day, visiting you a day, then 1% is not that much or it's not that significant, but it just depends on how big you are. But everything really is for Google, for SEO. Google just runs the show and dominates and it's probably not going anywhere anytime soon, but who knows what will happen in the future. But for now, they have a pretty good hold on the marketplace. Do you have your own podcast? Yeah, they can find it if they just search my name, Brandon Lee Woods. But do you find more. that do you find that iTunes is still the six hundred pound gorilla for podcasting, just like Google is for searching? I'm not too sure. I've never listened to a podcast on iTunes ever. I've never used iTunes for podcasts. But yeah, I usually listen to them on or watch them on YouTube or just download them on Spotify, but I have never used iTunes, even though it is the main one that started it all off. But I feel like people don't. I mean, now there's so many options like Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Alexa. I mean, there's endless amounts out there. So I'm not sure where. I don't really look at my analytics too much because I've only done it a few times. And this is a long time ago. And it was more of me just teaching classes because during the pandemic, I couldn't teach my classes in person. So I teach them online and when I teach online with zoom, it would automatically record the audio and the video separately. So I thought, let me just take this audio and throw it up on different podcasting platforms and make it kind of a podcast, but it's really my classes. So okay. not sure if it is a podcast technically, or it's just me teaching classes, but I did that for a few times, but I feel like it's just really gotta be everywhere. You don't want to just be on one platform, especially YouTube because YouTube is the second biggest search engine. That's going to bring in probably more visibility than I, iTunes, but Again, you have to look at the analytics to see where your traffic's coming from and how you've optimized that iTunes page versus how you're optimizing your YouTube. Are you putting the right keywords in the right places on YouTube? Are you transcribing the video? Are you adding timestamps? Are you doing all the, the tags? Are you embedding the video on third-party sites so that way Google sees that it's kind of being voted for? It's like a popularity contest. If you send the right trust signals, then YouTube will reward you, which is owned by Google. Google owns YouTube. Have you studied Mr. Beast to learn from his experience with YouTube? No, because, I mean, he's said multiple times what he does. It's just the cover photo makes it really bright, makes, like, images that pop and stand out. You got to make sure that you get full user retention, that they don't just watch your video for one minute. If your video is an hour long, that looks really bad. But if they watch it for 40 minutes and your video is an hour, that's not bad. So you want to have retention time and all these other variables that go into YouTube's algorithm. How many likes, comments, views, shares, embeds on third-party sites the video has, what tags you're using, what keywords you're using in the title, the description, all that kind of comes into play. Plus the click-through rate of how enticing that image is to the cover photo. So YouTube is a strong component of what you offer a business. Uh, I try to help out anywhere possible where there's a search. So anytime there's a search feature, try to help. If if they have a Yelp listing, I could try to help them rank higher on Yelp. If they're on Amazon, I can make them higher ranking on Amazon. It's wherever people search, there's always an algorithm. And there's things that these platforms are looking at that if you do the right signals to send them, the right signals, that they'll reward you with more organic traffic and you could avoid spending money on paid ads. So were you involved with digital marketing in high school? 
not, didn't know anything about it till I graduated college. And the first job I got out of school was helping a company out with their digital marketing. And I didn't know anything about digital marketing. They said, don't worry. We don't know much either. We're going to take you to classes and workshops and seminars. And after working there for a few months, just realized everyone's probably going to have a website in the future. And there's a lot of different ways to get traffic, but I went with the SEO, just a way to get free traffic. So I thought, why spend money on paid ads when you can get up there for free and just never look back after I got that first job because I realized I could also do freelance work and pick up clients here and there and build up my own company. And those two things really attracted to me to that. What do you think is the target range in terms of gross revenue for the companies you like to work with? What's the range? It really varies. I don't think there's any range because I don't really ask them how much they're making. So I'll see sometimes through analytics and the tracking tools, but I'm not specifically saying I need to work with people making 10,000 a month or 50,000 a month or a hundred thousand a month. It's as long as you have a viable product or service, you might be a startup. You might not be making anything. And I'll be like, all right, let's get you off the ground and let's get people finding you. So it's not really how much gross revenue. It's really the potential of the website. If you're just selling t-shirts, it's going to be really tough to rank on Google because now you're competing against target, Walmart, Costco, Alibaba. So I'm not looking at, really what, how much revenue you're making. I'm looking at what product or service that you're selling and is it feasible? We'll be able to get you up there because if it's hyper competitive, then it's going to be really tough to rank on Google. Whereas if there's something more niche and unique about you, like if you're selling organic t-shirts for children, that's a little bit more niche than just selling someone t-shirts really broad in general. So just trying to find something that has potential to rank. And what's the average growth in X factor of that your clients um, receive as in working with you? It varies as well, depending on how much SEO has been done to their website versus their competitors. <clears throat> because if they're a brand new website, it's going to take a long time to get Google to trust you. Whereas if you've been around for five years, it's going to be a little bit easier to get Google to trust you. If you've been around for 10 years, even easier. So the longer you've been around, the quicker you're going to get those results, but also how competitive are these keywords? The more competitive it is, the more time it's going to take as well. And, all that kind of goes into play. Also, how many people are searching for those keywords? That's going to let us know how much traffic increases you're going to be able to get. And that's going to let you know how much growth you're going to get. Because sometimes the keywords that we're targeting might only get 50 people searching for it a month. But if they get one or two of those people to sign up for a client, they're good for the entire year. So it's just trying to find out what they're selling and what phase of the business cycle they're in versus the competitors and how much time it's going to take to get them to be where their competitors are at. Because we're not trying to be Google. Google changes every single day. What matters is who's on that first page of Google, how much SEO have they done and how can we do a better job of it? And also making sure you get an interested audience. Like if they look up red wagons and you're selling arrowheads, you don't want people looking for red wagons on your site. You know, if it was red wagon arrowheads, um, are you guys up? I have a very selfish question. Go for it. Uh, years ago, there was a Google tool that was free that allowed me to look at SEO traction of a word or a keyword string pertaining to geography. And the example was I was working on a lawyer site. And one year I saw that attorney was used more and I'm sorry, Siri just started talking in the background in San Francisco. One year attorney was used more than lawyer. Three years later, lawyer had gone up and it was more used than attorney. 
I think do you is this free tool still available? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's called the Google Keyword Planner. It's a free tool from Google that will show you how many people search for a keyword every single month. So you can see do I rank for attorney, like uh, personal injury attorney or personal injury attorneys. Each one of those is going to get a different amount of searches or attorney for personal injury or attorney for personal injuries. So that's where you got to figure out how do I want to structure this phrase because it's the same keyword, but it's restructured in different ways. And the ways that you structure it is going to result in different search volume because some people search one way, some people search another way. And you just want to figure out which way gets the most search volume and try to incorporate that into your own website. And then you try to tap into the other variations in the content. But initially, you want to focus on the one that gets the most search volume. And you can still do a, a geolocation. Yeah, you could change the location to the city. Yeah, that was what it was. Uh, all right. Well, thank you. There's my selfish question. <laughs> yeah, keyword research is very important. You got to do research on those keywords. You don't want to just guess at what keywords you want to put on the website. You want to make sure these keywords actually have search volume and that they're relevant. Uh-huh. Is this a good point to do a left turn for you both? Well, you just did. Do well, another one. That was still SEO. So here's what I've been wondering, Brandon, because a few times you've mentioned family. So do you have brothers and sisters? Mm-hmm. I have one younger brother. Yeah. And are your mom and dad still alive? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, are you receiving support for your from your family that bolsters you to do what you're doing? Um, they're happy. They like what I'm doing. So they support me and help me out with advice and tips and things that they think might help out or work. Or my dad likes sales. He's done sales his whole life. So he tries to help out with sales and right. so they definitely help out with some support. Cool. Like I just, there's a, um, documentary on Nolan Ryan that I started watching last night. My brother told me about it. And there's one point where Nolan thinks he's got to quit baseball. He's just not good enough. And it was his wife that said, no, I think you've got talent. I think you should stick it out more. Do you have someone in your life that helps bolster you through those challenging times where you're like, I'm not sure what's going on? Probably a mentor helps out and parents, family, friends. But mentors definitely are good to help out with that type of stuff. That's awesome. How did you find your mentors? Did yeah. you hire them or did they come through business? Is there some aspect of uh, your uh, your fraternity or uh, something in the in the school you went to? How did you access that resource? I went to, um, well, like networking events and just found people. But I teach classes at SCORE, SBA, and SCORE.org. But you find mentors. If you can't find one, you could go to SCORE.org and They'll connect you with a mentor, and that's a, a good way to, to get you a mentor. Yeah. How important was that for you in terms of growing your business? Like, what, what level of impact as a percentage, or how, how could you quantify the impact of your mentorship? No, mentors definitely helped a lot, saving a lot of time and headaches from mistakes and learning from them and helping them or helping me grow. And I would recommend everyone get a mentor. It's going to help make your life much easier. Yeah. If you don't mind my saying, you seem like a very private person where you're 
personal life you hold very closely? Maybe a little bit, possibly. <laughs> That's a good evasive answer. <laughs> I guess maybe. I'm not too sure. I'll have to look back at this interview and see. So what did you think of the name Moped Outlaws when you first approached us to work with us when we, when we first talked about, um, you know, having this conversation? What did our brand say to you before you knew anything about us? Uh, that you're probably riding around the streets in mopeds with a little gang. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. So a kind of skater ethos, maybe a little like a wicked mm-hmm. second cousin to the skater ethos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And did that appeal to you? Yeah. A little bit drew me in. Awesome. So sort of there's this rebellious nature that beneath all the practicality and the the sophistication of, you know, your application to your, your business and and your entrepreneurship, part of you likes, I'm asking this as a question. Does part of you like the idea of just a little bit of bad boyishness, a little bit of, of being, you know, uh, on the the fringes? Yeah. I feel like everyone does. So, it's always, yeah. It's always. So what do you want more of in your life? Mm, pretty happy. Maybe more friends, family, more business, more of everything. I feel like everyone wants more of, but pretty content with everything. So don't need more of any of that stuff, but it doesn't hurt. But yeah. Is, is there something in LA that's like a, you know, a secret visit where like, you're like, this is, this place is awesome. Like if someone was visiting who hadn't really been to LA that you would bring them to that isn't well known, like a Disneyland or um, the observatory. I just forgot, you know, where is there some place like a hidden gem of LA? Yeah. Maybe Paul's Verdes. It's pretty nice. People love Paul's Verdes. So Paul's Verdes is, near San Pedro and they have really nice views and it's more scenic. It's like the Hollywood Hills, but not as many people live there. So it's not as crowded and it's pretty nice over there. Awesome. Have you hiked a lot in the LA area? Yeah, there's some good spots around there. So yeah, Paul's Verdes has a lot of good spots and yeah, that's one spot that people don't really know about. So Paul's Verdes is kind of underrated, but it is probably like Hollywood Hills. Like, all right. Very nice and scenic. And- <clears throat> We're going to have to lift this piece out so it remains secret. <laughs> <laughs> Bring people over there. The more, the better. All right, cool, it cool. is all good. We need more people coming down there. <clears throat> yeah. Good stuff shared is better, isn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For the most part. And then, and then there is a tipping point where it just becomes too much. Like Disneyland on Christmas is just too much. No, mm. it's the best. <laughs> It's a little crazy over there. Oh, I love it. It's like that Peter Gabriel song. You know, I love the rush hour because I love the rush. I just lo- I love crowds. Mm-hmm. Love we got a big crowd over there. <laughs> All right. So name one celebrity that is no longer alive that you wish you could have over for dinner just to have a conversation with them. Um. Maybe Elvis would be interesting. See what Elvis. happened in his world. Just watched his movie. So not a big fan, but it'd be interesting to see what happened to him and know what's really going on in his life. Did you yeah. see that Elvis movie? That... Yep. That's probably why it stuck out in my mind. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was I, I didn't really know much about Elvis, but 
Do you play guitar at all? Have you ever dabbled in guitar? No. Uh-uh. Any musical instruments? A little bit of the piano and the drums and play the flute a little bit. And yeah, those are the right. ones, but not much so anymore. Here's a, a binary and you have to pick one. <laughs> Foo Fighters or Eminem? Well, Foo Fighters, probably. Awesome. Thank you. Um, Beatles or Stones? <laughs> <laughs> Foo Fighters, probably a little better. <laughs> nice. But, and it's pretty amazing. So, can't yeah. go wrong. Both yeah. together would be awesome. Yeah. That'd be a good record, right? <clears throat> Have them collaborate on a record? We'll have to get it going. <laughs> yeah. Um, what would you want to ask us? Like you've been really kind of in a way it's almost been like the third degree because of course we're yeah, trying, to, like get, we're trying to move Brandon. energy. We're trying to get something going here as hosts. And um, we, you've been really gracious about answering all of our questions. And I just want to give you the opportunity to poke at us a little bit. What, what would you want to know about us that you might not otherwise ask? Uh, why did you pick the name Moped Outlaws? Yeah. You want to answer it? I'll, I could answer it real quick. Yeah, answer We it. had a different name, and we found out from people we trust very dearly that we had picked a horrible name um, because of it, what it insinuated. Um, so we were looking for another name and we were doing it live on one of our episodes. And I was telling a story of when I had three ounces of mushrooms grammed up and hidden in those old VHS rental boxes when you used to rent a VHS from like Blockbuster. And I was trying to outrun the police on a moped that was falling apart. It was nighttime, no headlight. And uh, I was in my early 20s, this story. And one of our friends who was listening in said, you guys should be the Moped Outlaws. And that's where the name came from. So they did eventually catch him, but they didn't look in the VHS cases. So they only got him on the traffic violation. <laughs> yeah. They, they handed me back the cases when I was released from jail. That's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where the name comes from. So sort of moving back into the direction of your life and then the formation of your business. One of the things I do in my business is I really have a lot of resistance to sales funnels because when I land on one and it's just the endless scroll with the endless adding up of offers, I just hate that. And I want to know, just do you have a visceral emotional reaction to sales funnel pages? Well, I feel like every page on your website should be a funnel. But you're talking about long website yeah. pages that were maybe like 10 years ago, which I don't really see those too often anymore, but every page on your website should be a funnel. Like you need to be funneling people into your email list and nurture them to get them to want to eventually become a client. But if you're not doing that, then you're really missing out on that traffic. Because So what are the top three things that make a funnel effective? Offering value, offering something that entices people. And just offering something of value, something for free, usually to get people in the door. And then from there, you could try to get them on something else. But initially, you just got to get them on something and got to hook them somehow. Are you using this knowledge for your current um, bearing set business that you're doing, your skateboards business? Mm -hmm. Yep, trying to. Yeah, because 
So like, why not, if I have the knowledge, <laughs> try to utilize it, not trying to not use the things I know that work to get traction and help out with marketing. But so do you have something you're offering for free that isn't bringing people to your, do you have a website for your, the skate business? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Are so they- I offer like a giveaway. So giveaway bearings. You do. So you are utilizing these business um, practices that you have. Mm-hmm. Like, why not? Like you say, why would I not? Yeah. I'm stupid. Wow. Yeah, yeah. God right? is teasing what you know. If I didn't, that would be counterintuitive. Absolutely. Yeah. So at the end of the day, taking care of ourselves and our families, that's a really important part of of being in business. But is there something beyond that framework that you contribute to? Is there a charity or um, some sort of initiative that means something to you that you like to take and, and make, you know, a revenue stream available for? I'm trying to give back and want to help get back to places that focus on giving clean water to people. So focusing on those type of charities, if I'm, donating and things like that. But yeah, trying to just give back more as much as I can. Have you already worked on a uh, charity aspect into your business model? Mm, a little bit, but not too much. Okay. Not in, as much as I'd like to, but done that with other yeah. companies, but not with this one. So that will be the next step. <clears throat> All right. So if people what would you like people to have learned from listening to today's conversation? What's the most important takeaway? Um, I guess it'd be who I am. That would probably be what they're learning about is who Brandon is, what I do in right now, what I'm, what my interests are and just learning more about me, I guess. So if you were going to do that as a single sentence or, or, or multiple sentence, you know, elevator pitch, how would you say that? Learn about Brandon Leibowitz. <laughs> That's pretty much what's going on here is learning about me, not not focusing on any specific thing, but just learning more about me in general. <clears throat> Do you carve out a part of every day for physical well-being, working out something that's physical? Yeah, try to go down to the beach since I live pretty close to the beach and try to go skateboarding up and down the boardwalk if I can. All right. What do you think of those electric skateboards? Uh, no, that's not skateboarding. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. ah, all right. All right. No, yeah. no, I got to throw those away. <laughs> that's sidewalk <laughs> surfing. Yeah, no, no. Those don't count. No. <laughs> Just it. like those one wheels. Those are weird too, but no, no. You got to stick with the good old push and get your foot on the ground and feel that pavement. Nice. I love that. Yeah. Do you have like a, a major road rash story that you remember from like some big spill or fall that you've taken? Uh, I mean, most of my injuries are from like dumb things where you're not really paying attention, but definitely had the, well, I guess, yeah, hit a telephone pole, knocked myself Ooh, out, really? going down a hill, got distracted and looked behind me and didn't see a big concrete pole and smacked right into that and gave myself a concussion or like road rash from going down hills or, I mean, yeah, and too many stories, but the good ones are never like the good injuries are never anything good. It's like hitting a crack on the ground and not paying attention and falling and breaking my wrist and then having to have surgery and just not paying attention. But 
when I jumped down rails and stairs, never really got hurt too much, but it's always like nice. not paying attention and not thinking about little things. And that's when you get caught up. Do you have any skate videos online that people can check out? No, not really. No, I don't not know. even on your Instagram. No, no, I don't skateboard. No. I, to, I had a few injuries where they took out three bones in my wrist, like the scalpel bone. So my wrist doesn't move anymore. And, if I fall on it, it's not good. So that happened when I was like 22. So I haven't been skateboarding as much as I want to because I can't afford to fall and break my bone or have my wrist not work anymore because having hands is kind of nice. It's important. Yes, it is a part of the dominance of our evolutionary path is those opposable thumbs. Yeah, and mine don't work as well. So got to be careful. Yeah. But you still are going out and skating. A little bit. Every once in a while. He falls on sand, right? Because he's on the boardwalk. I'll fall on my face for my wrists. I'll fall on my face for my wrists. Awesome. Yeah, pretty much. Can't fall on my wrists. So the wrist guards won't protect you? Not really. Not with what I have. Can't fall on it no matter what. Yeah. And snowboarding, is there um, potential with a snowboard fall? The same thing with your wrist? No, I'll snowboard. It's softer. Okay. So you're doing have you gotten probably. up here to the Sierras since we had this massive snow season up here? Have you been up here yet? To Mammoth, yeah. But okay. yeah. Mm, so yeah. Did you get some pow pow in? Mm, it's a lot of snow, so it's awesome. Yeah. Well, I just want to say how much we appreciate your time and energy and your willingness to share. Um, if people really want to go and do a deep dive on SEO and check out Brandon's uh, podcast and his company, SEO Optimizers, he is clearly someone who's devoted to what he's doing. He took a lot of time out of his day to be here, and we appreciate that very much. And I just want to say we intentionally tried to not make this about as SEO because we wanted to get to know the man, the myth, the legend, Brandon Leibowitz. And I think you said that very well. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Really loved it. Thanks for having me. Is there anything you want to share with our audience about how to reach you or how to check you out before we, we call it a day? Uh, so everyone that wants to learn more, I create a special gift for them. If they go to my website, seooptimizers.com, that's S-E-O-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com. And they can find that there along with a bunch of videos I've done and they can watch those there for free and see step-by-step how to do a lot of stuff that we talked about today. Right on. Recording stopped.